Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You are watching a master at work. Welcome aboard to NFL Trend Zone. Uh, I am your host, Dustin Baker, and I'm here with Wes Johnson. Uh, we are both uh, writers. Uh, for FranchiseTag.com. It's a website that's launching pretty much any day here now. Um, our developer had COVID, so it's been um, put on the shelf for a little bit. Um, but this podcast is a spinoff of that website, and we're going to talk about the NFL and only the NFL, um, although I'm a basketball head too, so I might dribble in some parallels from the NBA, but don't get too skittish. It's mostly football. Uh, so yeah, tonight we're going to talk about the Super Bowl, obviously, and the fallout from that. We're going to talk about Antoine Winfield. We're going to uh, talk about the role of offensive line in football. Um, what's next for Tom Brady? Uh, we probably know he's all coming back. We're going to talk about the dude that got damn near naked and ran on the field and Carson Wentz. So just a bunch of hodgepodge NFL topics. And we do have a sponsor for the show. That's betonline.ag. So allow me to tell you about them. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. And the only place that you should be betting on these sports is betonline.ag. For example, um, Tom Brady and the Bucks were underdogs somehow, some way. A Brady team was an underdog. It's weird stuff. And they won, of course. They absolutely dominated the Chiefs in Super Bowl 55. So had you put some money on Brady, you'd probably be a happy man or woman at this, uh, this instance. Uh, for BetOnline, you can even... Bet on awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Uh, Bet online has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, there is a 24-hour online casino that you can get down with. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. Betonline AG, your online sports book experts. How are you doing tonight, Wes? Oh, not too bad. How about yourself, Dustin? I am wonderful. Um, I think on the docket tonight, so this is our inaugural show. Um, naturally, we're going to get into some Super Bowl stuff and then um, probably talk a little bit, maybe on Nibble at Free Agency a little bit. Um, but I think I'll jump out of the gate because we just had a Super Bowl that I thought ended in stunning fashion. Um, not necessarily the late game, but just stunning in general. Um, what are your takeaways from Super Bowl 55? Uh, defense dominated by Tampa's defense. They bludgeoned a uh, high-power offense in Kansas City that um, ripped them in, in Week 12. So um, it was interesting to see the coaching adjustments and and how they just you know utterly – beat up that Kansas city offensive line. Yeah. I, on my other uh, Vikings show um, with Brian McKinney, we had Warren Sapp on in December and naturally he's uh, going to be biased towards the Buccaneers, which is fine and dandy, but he predicted this. Uh, hmm. And I, at the time, of course I would never rule out Brady, but at the time I was like, well, of course he's going to say the bucks are going to win. Um, and, but he predicted not to the, like to the score, to the T, but he said, um, I'm going to take Buccaneers over chiefs. Uh, because that game was fresh in his memory. And from what he saw, he said that, you know, the Bucks can hang with these guys and I'll be damned if he wasn't right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think there were several takeaways. Um, for me, it was that a quarterback is not infallible ever. 
especially when a coordinator like Bowles can scheme for Mahomes, which few have done, or in fact, nobody has done it like that because Mahomes had never lost a game by more than eight points. Um, but it goes to show that no matter how many fantasy football leagues you might be in or our listeners might be in or I'm in, offense matters an equal amount as defense. Um, we can change the rules all we want. We can like worship these quarterbacks like Mahomes and Wilson and Josh Allen, and that's fine. It sells. I get it. Um, but defense is always going to be equally as important because – these are men's livelihoods and they're just the same humans and athletes. So they're going to have sleepless nights to figure out how can we stop this new boy wonder? And that's what they did. The old King dethroned the new King. And I want to say heading into this game on some show that I was on, I, I think that from both angles, maybe it was us talking in our teaser from both angles. It was if Mahomes wins this thing, which he probably will, then he's taking the torch emphatically. Um, but now it's like this extra layer on Brady's resume that's like at 43, he told the young king to shut the hell up. And it's unbelievable. Um, so my major takeaway was the defense. And of course, there were others. I thought it was uh, cool for those um, reclamation project types like Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown to get into the game. And then obviously Brown had the, the touchdown and I'm uh, all about, as you probably are redemption for, for men and women. And it seems maybe, I don't know if Ant- Antonio Brown deserves that much of a pat on the back, but I'm, I'm glad that he was able to figure out whatever it was um, and, you know, win a Super Bowl. What else you got on that, that big game? Um, the, well, actually, why don't we stay with, with Brady? Um, okay. And kind of what what's next for him? I mean, he's like you mentioned, forty three years old. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't look like he's slowing down. Like we saw it noticeably with Drew Brees' arm this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, lacked the the power to to get downfield with the football. Um, and I I think Tampa has the pieces in place to you know run it back. Um, well, yeah. they they do decisively, but nobody does that anymore. And I think the Chiefs were probably going to be the team that broke the streak and they couldn't get it done. Um, But here's what happened with Brady. And what happened was very understandable. So you talked about Breeze. He saw the cliff and he decided to jump off it, whether he liked it or he didn't. Uh, We saw that towards the end of the season, I mean, he was playing through mended ribs and all that. Um, And the Vikings, I mean, he's throwing wounded duck throws on Christmas Day. And he looked like Peyton Manning did in 2015, but Peyton Manning got a Peyton Manning got away with it uh, because he had Von Miller and the defense was just otherworldly. So we never really look back and m- criticize Manning's demise, um, but it really, really was there. He threw nine touchdown passes and 17 interceptions in his final year, which is awful. And but it was masked by a glorious Denver defense. So with Brady, here's what happened in the game against was it the Bears? And basically before they got uh, ripping and roaring on that eight game winning streak, we confused me, you, our listeners confused his bad games with his age. So just as a quarterback, any quarterback in the history of humankind has bad games and we'll get them next time. We bait and switch that with, oops, uh-oh, Brady's getting old, time to hang it up because we really want that to happen because we want father time to remain undefeated. 
Um, and I did it too. I think, I think it was that bears game. I was like, God, he just doesn't look like himself when he held up the four fingers and couldn't figure out yeah. what down yeah. it was. It felt like, are we really witnessing it? Because eventually it will happen if he, if he doesn't go out on top. So we confused, like, I think irrefutably the fact that he had a couple bad games in a new system uh, with the fact that, Oh, he's old, he's cooked. So he's not going to win another one. And that was the disconnect in logic. And the other thing, in case I forget right. to bring it up on that Super Bowl, the Chiefs and Bucks, is that game was more exciting than it needed to be. We kept holding out hope that it's Mahomes. I mean, he's Jesus. So they're going to come back. We've seen it too many times. And we would not have done that for anybody else outside of maybe Russell Wilson, maybe Rodgers if he was there. But that game kept us glued to our screens because we assumed he would come back. And they weren't good enough. On that night alone, they did not belong in the Super Bowl. Uh, and I'm sorry to say it to any Chiefs fans that may, may be listening, but they weren't very good. And uh, that's one thing I, I want to make sure is established is maybe in our memories we'll look back and be like, oh, yeah, remember when Brady toppled Mahomes? That was an ass-kicking, plain and simple. If Mahomes' name was never attached to that, we'd be like, what a lame Super Bowl. Uh, that's that's my take. That's my take. What else? What else do you got? Yeah, um, the Chiefs got whooped. Uh, a lot of that, I think, has to be credited to, um, you know, the coaching staff, mm-hmm. uh, uh, specifically on the offensive side, obviously. Um, there's a advanced stat that they ran five-man protection, so five people blocking for Mahomes on – uh, 48 of 52 dropbacks. That's 92% of the time. Um, you think that some adjustment would be made at halftime after he's kind of getting pummeled. Uh, he only had three sacks, but he had a Super Bowl record of 29 pressures. <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of the old adage, help a guy out. <laughs> yeah, and the the real football heads understand that offensive line performance is a colossal part of the game, but good quarterbacks often can mask it. So Russell Wilson, it comes to mind because he's been sacked 394 times since he got in the league, which is, you know, disgusting, um, depending on how you look at it. Um, <laughs> so we tend to think that these mobile quarterbacks, these Titans of industry, they they can make offensive lines um, miscues. You know they can put deodorant on them, and that can be the case. But when you have a, a piecemealed offensive line like that, it's going to get exposed because on a, on roster, and we didn't really realize it until February. The Bucks really have like this Madden defense, like all of these names. Like if you think about like we do in a, a video game, whether it's two K. You think about the player at the best they can possibly be. I do this in NBA 2K when I draft uh, Rudy Gay. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get Rudy Gay because he's solid. And I always think it's the prime Rudy Gay. But the guy I might be getting is the one that's maybe tailing off a little bit. Um, but with with the Bucks defensive line, it's Shaq Barrett, it's Vinavea, um, Avante David. It's all of these men that, um, you know, as a – scored individually by pro football focus or even just their sack resumes or Vitavea, just his uh, run blocking act or run stopping acumen. It's like, well, of course they were going to cause terrorism to any quarterback. Why did it take us this long to realize it was going to happen to Patrick Mahomes? Uh, I think maybe not quite to the old bucks defense that we look back on from the Brad Johnson team, 
um, or the Gruden team, I guess that would be a better title for it. We'll probably look back and be like, oh, yeah, the God, that team had Levante David. It had, you know, young Antoine Winfield. And it'll be like, holy crap, right. they had four Hall of Famers. Uh, right. And that got lost in the wash. And I know that, you know, the real the pundits brought up the fact that this defense is pretty formidable. But I think we just got so lost in this folklore of Mahomes that, that you know, this dynasty can't be stopped. And it got slapped in the face. So, yeah, absolutely. Another point on Arians which is supremely cool is I can't remember if he's the first dude to hire women onto his coaching staff, or if he's the first to hire multiple. And then he's got mostly black coaches. It's like these procedures that, um, you know, men and women implement in the workplace. They don't do it to promote minorities just because it looks better on a ledger. They do it because it's valuable and it brings a lot of stuff to the table, unique perspectives. And boom, we saw that with the Super Bowl championship because you have female minds in the room, you have African-American minds in the room, and you have a guy like Arians who's just the maestro that's sort of hands off. He's got Brady that's like, yeah, go run the offense. You know, even threw shade at Belichick a couple weeks ago and was like, well, the thing I do is I let him run the offense. I don't really care because he gets the job done. So I wanted to point out that uh, the diverse faces that help win the Super Bowl are never just an affirmative action thing. When you hire those people with different perspectives, it's to achieve a common goal for the better. Absolutely. Absolutely. What about uh, Antoine Winfield? So I went to the University of Minnesota. So throughout our various episodes in the show, I'll probably show some homerism to the Golden Gophers side of things. Uh, so I'm going to ask you about Winfield. Um, what was your immediate thought and what was your after-the-fact thought, thought on his taunting fiasco? I liked it. <laughs> I, I liked it. I thought it was warranted uh, both during and after. And I felt that... Uh, Tony Romo didn't do a good enough job addressing the reasoning behind it, which was the week 12 showing of Tyreek Hill, uh, which both you and I missed at the time, uh, 13 catches, 269 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, he chucked the deuces to Winfield, did a backflip into the end zone, celebrated, uh, was all high and mighty. And this was the big payback for Antoine Winfield Jr. And, you know, much deserved. I uh, saw him walking around with the uh, WWE championship yep. belt, checking the deuces still, which amazing. Yeah, we, <clears throat> I think we're getting, maybe not in that moment because the announcers, uh, you know, muffed the call of what the context was. But I think sometimes those moments still feel like bat flips back in the day where it was like, well, what's he doing? That's disrespectful to the sport. And this one felt that way initially. And then like tonight, when you've explained the context, it's like a, Oh, a light bulb moment. Um, but I will say that I did think at the moment that extended the drive. And I thought, okay, that is boneheaded as F. Uh, I thought, Oh my goodness, this gives Mahomes one more chance. I don't even remember what the score was, if it was plausible that they would come back. But in the moment, I didn't realize that it was after the, the set of downs had played out. And once I figured that out, I was like, Oh yeah, do it again. Who cares? <laughs> uh, it was, it was glorious after that. And I didn't, I just thought the deuces was peace. Like, we'll see you later. We're going to win. And I, uh, you know, I've got that go for homerism that he really can do no wrong. Um, so I had no problem with it, but the context matters. There was a game with Randy Moss, former Patriot and Viking, uh, in 2004, when he did his famous mooning on the goalpost in Wisconsin, 
And that was immediately decried as a disgusting act. And it was outrageous sexual activity on the football field. But that was another one that he was having fun with the Packers fan base uh, because as it came out in the days or months after is notoriously Packer fans moon the Vikings players as they're leaving Lambeau field. So Moss wasn't doing it to, you know, be Pornhub like he was doing it to throw shade at fans that act show their actual buttocks to him when he and his teammates are leaving. So yeah, I think they bungled that the context of that. I guess if you're a coach, maybe you don't want to take that risk and have them taunt when the Super Bowl's on the line. Um, but you know, now that it's become part of his brand, I think there's no harm, no foul. Right. Exactly. I want to make sure I didn't step on your toes on the offensive line. Um, was there more that you wanted to add about uh, you know, how they were without their two tackles. Uh, I mean, I think they talked about that a lot. And then, I mean, Mahomes is getting getting this almighty hall pass, probably rightfully so, for not getting the job done, um, you know, because he had the injuries and stuff. But what do you, like, do you think that we, the the collective body politic of football, undervalue offensive line or underappreciate? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're, you know, the big uglies, the... Um, they hardly ever have star attached to their name. Like, <laughs> ask you know the average fan to name you know one top tier offensive lineman, and they probably can't off the top of their head. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, both the offensive and defensive side of of the ball in the trenches, uh, you know, remains important. Yeah. Um. I. On offensive line, so so you and I aren't those people. I mean, we can name Quentin Nelson. I mean, we can name them, uh, sit here all night and name off guards and tackles till we're blue in the face. But yes, they are undervalued. And I have thought so. And I did not play football organized. Uh, I played basketball from fourth grade up until the end of high school. And um, basketball still is my passion. I just happen to be a, probably a better writer about football. Um, but with basketball, I played power forward and center and almost every position on the basketball court is probably equally as exciting to play depending on your height and your skill set. But I always wonder, like if my son who's four turns out to be this big galoot, that's going to, you know, weigh 300 pounds and be my height, I'm six, five, like just think of maybe, I don't, I don't know what position you played when you played, but just think about how boring being an offensive lineman would be like you go in there and you wrestle, you wrestle with your, your elbows for three hours. And it seems to me unfulfilling because I never played that position. Um, all I see is on film now, but do you think it, like it just like, if you're going to play football, then why wouldn't you want to be a running back or a quarterback or a de- defensive end where, you know, you get in there and you, sack the quarterback it just seems like from a a young age to me offensive line appeal is like i just go and like just wrestle a guy to me it sounds boring thank god that other people don't feel that way because we wouldn't have a sport right yeah um i I think it definitely takes a a certain mindset um i've had friends that have played all along the offensive line and um they're i guess the best way to put it is a little unhinged at times. Um, I, I know you see some of the uh, after play photos and they've got, you know, a broken nose bridge from smacking their helmets around in, <laughs> in, in the trenches. And, um, you know, it, it, 
I think both the offensive and defensive line, it, it comes down to, uh, you know, kind of a, a king of the Titans type of a feel where I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you so badly that you're never going to want to come up against me again. And and that goes for either side. Um, you see the great battles, you know, occasionally between uh, D end and, and uh, a left tackle, uh, Bakhtiari and Daniel yeah. Hunter, you know, they go at it all the time. Um, so, yeah. And then also getting back to the chiefs aspect of this uh, to Mahomes credit, I, I did hear that he, uh, he took sole responsibility rather than, you know, throwing his uh, other teammates under the bus. So uh, credit to him for that. Well, I think I think he was well, actually I don't know when that happened. Um, I shouldn't say this. So it was the no matter the order of what happened, it was the inverse with Russell Wilson, who yesterday basically told the world this team better get me offensive line protection or I'm disillusioned. And that's weird to say that out loud. Uh, I know that it's the different era now where players can flex and can say I want to be a part of the discourse and make decisions and they can get away with that. But the fact that he basically called out whatever semblance of offensive line is currently on roster um, was the antithesis of what Mahomes did with taking full accountability. Did you get that vibe? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Two different approaches. Um, <laughs> you know, for, for Wilson, he's probably had uh, a good portion of, you know, the playoffs to to sit and think about it and stew about it. And uh, he's seeing... Deshaun Watson, you know, request a trade and not want to be where he's at. And Wilson's name came up in trade rumors, be it from uh, the Seahawks themselves or from elsewhere. And I'm sure he's probably a little perturbed with, you know, how things have been going on. Yeah, I I don't think there's any way in hell he gets traded um, because of his humongous cap hit. Um, because, and I mean, things just haven't got that nasty there yet. I think this was his call for help that says now that I've got it out in public on whatever show it was, if it was, I don't know if it was Dan Patrick or if it was just that zoom call for Porter, it was a bold move to challenge his general manager to get offensive line help. And I think when we look back or he looks back, it might've been the moment that galvanized them to do so because if he's making a junior threat about his future, um, when a guy of his stature does that, it's a big deal. Um, and I think that Watson gave him cover to do so, um, you know, asking for a trade, but I really don't think Wilson's going to go anywhere. He may not be a lifer, but by X's and O's on the salary cap, it would be suicidal at least for a season for them to cut losses. And why would you want to um, ordinarily the guy there's, there's only man, you might have a different set of them, but Mahomes, Wilson, sometimes Rogers, Josh Allen, isn't quite there yet. And Watson, I might be forgetting somebody. Those are the only guys that when my favorite team is playing against them and they end up getting the ball with three minutes to go, I'm like, Oh, we're screwed. I I mean, I I don't even care how good the defense is that year. I'm like, Oh, well, we're giving them the ball back. There it goes. Uh, Do you feel that way about that group? And am I missing any? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Missing any, I mean, 
you could lump Brady into that category. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh god, yeah. Oh yeah, he's probably the top. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, maybe I thought that was too obvious to even say. Right. <laughs> but yeah, that's another thing about him that I wanted to ask. Um, maybe go off script a little bit. Is so he's won this thing seven times, and you know he won this one at home with the Buccaneers and there was the cliche on Twitter that he basically looked around when he was done with the Patriots and says, what team wants to win a Super Bowl? Oh, this team looks sort of loaded. Let's go there. Um, and then we've gotten into the Jordan versus Brady stuff this week, which I knew was coming. Like, is there any doubt in your mind? I don't know if you're a Peyton Manning guy. Is there any doubt in your mind that he is the greatest quarterback ever? Uh, is that Peyton or uh... Brady? Oh no, God no! With no, <laughs> no, I've had that debate going all the way back to like 2006. No thanks on Manning. He was great, but he wasn't in Brady's league. Right. Um, yeah, I, I would say uh, Brady has to be at least one A to Montana's one B if if we're having that conversation. But I I think that he's surplanted uh, Montana. Oh yeah, as the the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah, uh, yeah, to get to the Super Bowl as many times as he has, and to win it as many times as he has, it takes you know extreme talent, extreme luck. Um, everything has to fall exactly how it, it yeah. needs to for that to happen. And it's it would be so uh, tempting or convenient to say something to the effect of, Oh, well, he always had Emmett Smith in the backfield or no, he had Randy Moss the whole time. Um, the closest thing you can put your, hang your hat on is Gronkowski who he had for some of those championships. Not even, I don't even think it was half, but he did it with a good defense, arguably great on most of those teams and Belichick who we think thought is the mad scientist behind it all, but it, he's never, been just surrounded like he was this year with a you know 90s Cowboys like offensive line and Michael Irvin and Novacek and all those so I don't think there's any backing out um, of Brady's resume as the, the greatest of all time and I, th- I think it's commonly accepted now um, and I, one thing I want to caution folks is that just because he's going to go into his age 44 season and probably do just dandy that doesn't mean that all quarterbacks are going to start doing that now. It's just like LeBron James in basketball. We're like, oh, well, he's spending a million dollars on his body. So other players will replicate that and they'll be this keep playing at this high level. I think we're we're living through an era of these guys playing so damn good, so damn late in their careers because they're just that legendary. Like I wouldn't expect, I mean, Phillip Rivers couldn't get past whatever age he was. He lost it. Breeze lost it, although he got all the way to age 42 or whatever it is. But if you're trying to maybe game plan, well, Russell Wilson, he's 32, so he can play until he's 44. Now, I don't think that's guaranteed by any means. I think Brady and the LeBrons are the exception, and that's why they're so damn great. It's kind of like Jordan was like a, a f- the reason that he won his second three-peat is because he played at that best in the league level until the age of 35. And normally we're looking around at dudes at age 32, 33 saying, Oh, okay. He's, he's probably going to start looking around to see where he can go win a championship as a supporting cast guy. And these guys like Brady and LeBron are just uh, cut, cut different. <laughs> they're not, yeah. they're not like that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think with the rules in football, 
a quarterback like who's starting to get up like Rodgers. Like he's he's my age by two months older. He'll probably play till 41, 42. But I don't think that just because Brady had a lot of success at 43, that that means Rodgers going to get there. I would say that based on the rule changes and, you know, modern medicine, that these guys' careers can be extended by a year or two. I don't think that the new normal is for guys to play at Pro Bowl levels until 43. Yeah, I I agree with that. What else from the Super Bowl? I think you wanted to bring up the dude that streaked. Yeah. (laughs) So the the Super Bowl streaker. um, Is the gambling stuff true? I tried to verify it. Yeah, I I did as well. So the, the rumor out there is the Super Bowl streaker, he bet uh, $50,000 on a prop bet. Uh, the prop bet was paying out uh, a good amount, and uh, the prop bet was for, will, would there be a Super Bowl streaker? Um, his supposed payout was 375000 so he put put in fifty thousand, got back uh, three hundred seventy five thousand, which you know all told probably paid thousand bucks to get out of jail for the night. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've always marveled at what I what I from hearsay when I used you know when you say these idiots <clears throat> when they do that, there's really not a huge consequence. Like they get a night in jail, I think they get a nice little fine, and then that's it. And then if they care about being the the guy or gal that that streaked. Then, then they won. Um, I just don't think there's a big enough deterrent for it to be done, aside from the fact that the announcers awkwardly giggle and then the camera goes out of its way to show the north end zone for some reason. Right. Be, show no no people's asses or anything like this. Let's do. <laughs> but yeah, you have to say that this is, I think it was the first of its kind in, in manipulating the system, like in a GameStop way where, you know, you're like, holy crap, why didn't I think of that? Right. So I wonder, I wonder if there'll be copycats or maybe the sports books will be done with streaking bets. I bet you that's more realistic. Probably. Probably you, you can't be you can't bet on yourself. Something <laughs> to that effect. <laughs> yeah. All right. The last thing I want to ask um, before we uh, split out of this maiden voyage is the Carson Wentz stuff. Uh, hopefully you did a little bit of homework on that. Here's where I'm perplexed because when the guy showed up in 2016, he was a good rookie. And then for three-fourths of 2017 – he was an MVP candidate um, between 2018 and 2019. He was back in that maybe top 13 range of quarterbacks in the league. And then this year he was abysmal. There's no cookie or there's no dressing it up. He was bad. Offensive line was also bad. Surprised that that matters. We'll go look at Mahomes. Uh, so, but the fact that the bears or the Colts or whoever it is, is going to deal a first round pick and maybe more, for a guy that perhaps is not very good, uh, it seems like after the Stafford trade, the market has been fundamentally reset. Where, God, who's a quarter? Like, oh man, like um, I'm trying to think of somebody. Like, man, Baker Mayfield's too young. Somebody that would have a passer rating of about 93, 94 per year. Maybe Stafford's a good one because he's right in there. But if the if what I'm asking in a very roundabout way is if a quarterback is able to start 16 games, maybe throw 20, 25 touchdown passes is the new normal that he will command a first round pick. Yeah, this one's a little loaded. I think Philly is 
digging their heels in, trying to maximize the return value for whatever they can. What they have going in their favor, uh, they have a, a young quarterback. Um, I think he's 24, maybe. Yeah. Uh, he is on a, a five-year deal, so there is a, a large contract attached to him. Uh, so the team trading for him, uh, they're going to obviously be paying him, but Wentz will be locked up for you know the next five years. Yeah. Uh, what's going against them? Um, Wentz's contract, obviously. Because they're going to uh, eat a lot of dead money too. Yeah, the dead money, uh, his turnover rate, which was awful, <laughs> has been just absolutely awful. Um, and then the fact that they have a, another young quarterback on the roster and Jalen Hurts, who they're going to want to get out there and, and play. Um, they're not going to want the Wentz distraction. So other teams, other GMs, they know this. They're going to, you know, hold their cards to their chest. And um, is the team stupid enough to give a first and more? Maybe if, um, was it Frank Wright at Indy? Mm -hmm. If he goes to the GM there and uh, says, I know this kid, I'm I'm the one that coached him to that MVP type season, uh, get me him. Then you know maybe that conversation's had. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't if I was a head coach with no. Um, if my path didn't cross with Carson Wentz at some point, I don't know if I would trust my myself enough to um, offer a first round pick plus more for a quarterback that I, I really don't know anything about outside of you know. Uh, a few mixed seasons. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, if you're a general manager in consultation with your current head coach, you have to ask yourself, are we the group, the tandem that can fix him? And that's, that's such a gamble for a franchise to put all of the eggs in a basket. Because uh, if you draft a quarterback and that guy sucks, your franchise is set back at a minimum two years. And it's usually longer than that. And so this is an odd circumstance because you'd marry yourself to us at four or five year deal with 128 million. And I can't remember how much is guaranteed, um, but you would have to say, we can make him good again. And if we don't, we're stuck. And that's a real like uh, not lucrative position to be in. Um, So, you know, it's almost like you have to have an infrastructure like Belichick where he's going to be good. That's all there is to it. And there's, there's just no guarantees of that. I mean, maybe the Steelers, although Roethlisberger is not leaving like a team that is going to certifiably make him competent again. And the Colts could be that with the Frank Wright connection, but it seems like the bears are the front runner, unless that's just a bunch of smoke from Chicago reporters that I don't even think they have an agenda. Why would they want him? It just, if it's the bears, it's another bears quarterback move on the ash heap of bears quarterback move history. Uh, Cutler was pretty good. And although I've never been a fan of the bears, um, I respected his game. I liked his arm and he did bring consistency to the position, but ultimately it got him one playoff appearance where he got hurt. And some people don't know this or realize this. That was the only playoff stint he he had. After that, he was done. The Bears never got back to the postseason. He bounced around, was at Dolphins, and didn't get back then. But uh, 
it would be a Bearsian move to try out Wentz and then have it not work out. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So I think that we'll wrap that up um, so we can kind of wet our wet the whistles of our listeners. Uh, the plan is for Wes to get on, uh, Wes and myself to get on here once a week and spit this stuff. And then in probably three or four weeks, we're going to incorporate uh, guests, um, whether they're fans of certain teams. We might have like a, a Broncos night or we might do a Lions night. Um, and then through some of the connections I have from writing, uh, I know some former players. I mentioned Warren Sapp earlier, uh, Fred Taylor I've had on. Um, and there's a lot of NFC North players that I happen to know through other podcasts that will try to incorporate those. Um, but I think next week, maybe we'll get into some free agent stuff. Uh, Wes, you're going to be setting the agenda for most of these shows. Is that what you had in mind? Or do you want to tease a little bit? Yeah, yeah I was thinking uh, free agency preview. Um Maybe talk a little loosely on the salary cap. Uh, I know there's been a lot of numbers thrown out there with uh, COVID kind of lowering the salary cap. Uh, some teams are um, in the double digit, high double digits. Uh, like and, the Eagles we just talked about. <laughs> exactly. Eagles, the Saints. And the thing um, wouldn't even fix it. <laughs> I mean, it would get them closer, but it won't fix it, fix it. Right. Yeah. So we probably won't talk specific numbers for those teams, but maybe ways that they can uh, help incorporate lowering that number so that, um, you know, they can bring in free agents, sign their draft picks, et cetera. And then hopefully we'll have a, a trade. Uh, yeah. Hopefully we have something big to, to sink our teeth into. Yeah. All right. Um, and then also if you're listening, um, on my Twitter, it's at DustBaker, D-U-S-T-B-A-K-E-R. If you were interested in being on the show, it's just a guest, just to talk football, low expectations. We get on here and do this. Uh, send me an email, and we'll get you on the schedule. Uh, and then, Wes, what's your, what's your Twitter? Uh, my Twitter is at Wesley A. Johnson, W-E-S-L-E-Y-A Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N. Okay, and we are affiliated with FranchiseTagged.com. Um, it's just like, uh, you know, the contractual thing, but tagged, T-A-G-G-E-D. And that should launch. Um, we're working with our developer in the next week or two. Uh, I believe that uh, one of our key players had the coronavirus, so it was set back. Um, but that's what this podcast is. It's a subsidiary of um, FranchiseTag.com. And that's all we have for NFL Trend Zone and its, its rookie episode. Um, anything else from you, Wes? No, that's it. Uh, if you also want to follow Franchise Tagged on Twitter, it's at Franchise underscore Tagged, T-A-G-D. <laughs> T-A-G-D. All right. All right, my man. We'll talk to you in one week. Sounds good. Thanks. You are watching a master at work. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.